Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. So today we're going to jump back into our teaching series, and I want to begin by reminding you of the question uh, that we started this series with last week. And that question is simply this, what does God expect of me? What does God expect of me? You see, as followers of Jesus, it's really important that we ask that question uh, because not just that we should, but we really must And so I would ask you today, have you thought about that? Have you thought about that? What does God expect of me? What does he expect of me? You see, our answer to that question really should shape our everyday lives. The decisions we make, the plans we have, our passions, our pursuits should be framed within our relationship with the Lord. What does God expect? expect of me. You see, uh, this is really the question that is framing our journey through this series. We're, we're trying to understand that truth, and uh, we believe that it's only by the grace and mercy of God that we can be saved. So this question, this pursuit, this journey through Scripture is not about what can we do to earn salvation. That's not it. We, we understand that that's only on the merits of Christ. But this journey, this question, this pursuit is about finding out how do we live in response How do we live out the calling that God has placed on each one of us as believers? That's the journey today. Uh, In in Matthew 25, we find a story that come to be referred to as the parable of the talents. And I would invite you to go ahead and make your way there uh, for just a moment. In in this teaching section of Matthew, if you would follow Matthew's flow of thought, uh, Jesus has been asked about his second coming, about the end times, and uh, he begins to tell stories. He begins to use illustrations to show what life in his kingdom is like, how his disciples should be living while they await his return. And so, friends, the stories we find here in the tail end of Matthew have immediate relevance for us as followers of Jesus awaiting his return. This teaching is for us. It's immediately applicable to our lives. And uh, one of the stories he tells is the parable of the talents. And within that story, Jesus uh, paints a picture of a master or an employer, if you will, the boss man. Uh, And he is going away on a journey. So this uh, boss, this master, he calls three servants, three employees together, and, and he gives each of them a portion of his wealth. He entrusts it to them in his absence, and, and he didn't just loan them or spot them a 50. No, like this was real money, and contextually, and, and the scholars think that this was somewhere that the, the lowest servant got $500,000, and the one servant got over a million. So this is real wealth, <laughs> that they've been entrusted with. And and so 
the boss entrusts his wealth with his servants and he goes out on a trip and what we see in this parable, Jesus tells us that two of the servants, they receive the master's talents, they receive the master's money and they go at once and put that money to work. But the third servant in that parable, he does something a little different. He, he kind of has a different heart. He takes what he's been given, he gets himself a shovel out of the tool shed and, and he goes and digs a hole and buries the money away. He's living out of fear of what the master might say. Well, time goes on, and uh, the master, the boss, gets back, and he wants to settle accounts, right? What you been doing with my money? <laughs> so the first two servants, they come in, and, and they bring, they've been hard at work investing, working, using what they've been given, and they have doubled what they've been given. And so the first servant, he brings back 10 talents, and the second brings back his talents doubled, and they both receive the same praise. They both receive the same accolades. Well done, good and faithful servant. You see, the master was looking at their heart. He says, well done, well done. Well, the final servant, you know, the, the one that dug a hole in the ground, he, he comes, and he brings back the master's money. Now, he didn't lose anything, but he didn't gain anything either. He didn't use what he was given. So when the servant comes back, he's thinking that he's going to be okay, right? He's just given back what he was given. But he gets quite a surprise ending to the story. And I want to I read this today, the tail end of Matthew 25 uh, of this parable out of the message paraphrase. Just frames it in a little different language for us today. So this servant, he uncovers it out of the ground and comes back thinking he's in the good. And he's in, but yet we see here the master was furious. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew uh, I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? You see, the least you could have done was to invest the sum with the bankers where I could at least gotten a little bit of interest. And so what happens is that he says, take the thousand, take what he's brought back and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him into utter darkness. Now remember, this is Jesus our loving Savior, telling the story, illustrating. Because we see that response and we go, man, he didn't even lose anything and he's getting fussed at. You see, that's what Jesus wants us to see. Because what we do with what we've been given matters to the Lord. What you do with what you've been given matters to the Lord. You see, God expects of his people to utilize what they've been given for the growth of his kingdom. And that's what Jesus wants us to see as we await his return. Be investing what I've given you for the growth and glory of my kingdom. So within our teaching series, that is, that's really framing our journey because we're, we're taking time each week to understand, to dive into specific areas, specific things that God has given us. And last week we looked at time and we're going to, through this journey, we're going to look at money and ultimately our very lives as a gift to be returned and invested to the Lord. Today we're, we're going to take a deep dive, if you will, into spiritual gifts. 
spiritual gifts. Uh, Spiritual gifts, these abilities, these passions, these strengths that God has graciously given to you for the purpose of growing his kingdom. For the purpose of growing his kingdom. Our first teaching text today is 1 Peter chapter 4 at verse 10. He's writing, he says, each of you, and those first three words are so important. Each of you, not some, not just a few, not just the pastors, not just the worship leaders, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you should use whatever gift you have. Here's the truth for us today, friends. If you are in Christ, if we begin at that baseline truth, if you are in Christ today, you have been given at least one spiritual gift. You've been given one gift. So the question for us today in this this journey through the Scriptures is not, do I have a spiritual gift? No, like if you're in Christ, you have it. So our journey today is to seek and find, Lord, what do you want me to invest? How can I invest and return my gift that you've given me, Lord, for the growth of your kingdom? Because what we do with what we've been given matters to the Lord. I I went to rummaging around the shop a little bit to try to find uh, an illustration for spiritual gifts to get us going, uh, to talk about the diversity, but yet the purpose. And uh, so it's going to be no surprise to you that I showed up with fishing lures today. Um, When I go rummaging around the shop, I'm bound to bump into something related to fishing. So, and I did look just in case I looked and I cannot find where fishing's a spiritual gift. Uh, I'm still looking. But anyway, I enjoy musky fishing. Like that's, that's a targeted activity. Um, so muskies are like these pike-type creatures. They're long, slender, the sharp teeth. They eat other bait fish. Like that's kind of their thing. Uh, and they've really captivated my attention over the last couple years. It's, it's kind of like if you're into hunting, that one trophy buck that you're after, it's kind of that pursuit of a trophy thing. Well, there's oftentimes people ask me, well, what, do you, what do you use? What are you doing? Because that's, you know, I'm fishing this time of year. Why are you doing that? What are you doing? What are you using? Well, that's a complicated question because what you use to catch a muskie really depends on the time of year, the water temperature, water clarity. You get the idea. So I usually have a response like, ah, you know, I, I got a whole box of this stuff and it just depends on what I'm doing. Well, like what? Okay, fine. So this is a glide bait. Uh, this is made out of maple. Uh, it's weighted to fall pretty slowly, so when you rip it, when you hit it with a fishing rod, it darts left and right, and it imitates a dying bait fish. Uh, so these work better in clear water. Uh, they work kind of any time of the year, but in the fall and the winter, they really shine. So it's a very specific, there's a niche there where that is what you want to have on the line. Well, y- you could go in the summertime, and something else is going to need to happen. This is what we call a prop bait. Uh, so this floats, uh, and it's got a prop on the back that as you pull it, it just plop, 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 across the top of the water. Now you could throw this thing this time of year till your arms were numb, and it's not going to work. But on a hot summer night, like this is where you want to be. So there's a very specific, they're different, one goal. So we have what we call rubber baits. All different shapes and sizes imitating suckers and shad and so many different things. And they can be weighted differently for different areas in the water column. You're like, who cares? I get, well, it's, it's a thing, you can tell. But, but you see these, these things 
all are different, they're all unique, they all have a specific design and a purpose and intent, but they have one goal, catching a fish. That's a little bit like spiritual gifts. You see, each one is nuanced, each one is unique and creative and is is intended for a very specific purpose, but it serves one goal, the growth of the kingdom of God. So think about just that baseline truth today. In Christ, you've been given a spiritual gift. It has one purpose. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Let's turn to our next teaching text in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. So this is the Apostle Paul writing. Uh, He's writing to the Christians in Corinth. Um, And the ancient city of Corinth was kind of a wild place. Uh, there was uh, ex- indulgent and explicit living, uh, crazy stuff happening, like just envision Las Vegas of the New Testament. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth, I guess. Uh, so Paul is writing to Christians there. He's giving them uh, theological teaching, teaching about who God is and what he's like, and he's also teaching them how to live. In a way, he's kind of helping them walk out, what does God expect of me, right? Right? And within this conversation, uh, we find him talking about spiritual gifts. And that's where we're going to jump into chapter 12 today. And that begins at verse 1. We're going to read and comment, read and comment our way through this. So verse 1 says, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Let's pause there for just a minute. We, We don't know exactly what was happening in the church in Corinth. Uh, If you've ever been near someone, like in the car, or you hear somebody in a grocery store talking on the cell phone, like you're getting one side of the conversation, right? So you can kind of piece together some themes and what they're talking about, but you have no idea what's being said on the other side. And that's a little bit like the letters to the church in Corinth. We hear Paul's side of the conversation. He's responding to real-life scenarios. And so in spiritual gifts, we don't exactly know what was happening in the church in Corinth, but Paul's taking time to straighten things out. I don't want you to be uninformed. That's a Paul's way of saying, pay attention. <laughs> Let's continue in our text at verse 4. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Notice where Paul's teaching goes first. The oneness of the gifts. Where do spiritual gifts come from? They all come from the Lord. One source one source. The New Testament uh, records some 20 different spiritual gifts specifically, but it also leaves the door wide open for other expressions of the gifts of the Spirit. But no matter the type, no matter how different the gifts may look, they come from one source, and that is the Lord. Let's continue. He says, verse 7, now to each one, again, each one, The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So who has spiritual gifts? Each one in Christ. Each and every person experiencing life in Christ has a spiritual gift. If you don't hear anything else today, 
If your mind's already still thinking about fishing, catch up with me. If you're in Christ, you have been given a spiritual gift. You've been given a spiritual gift. So who has them? Every born-again believer. What are they for? Serving others in the body of Christ. One source, one purpose, serving others. You, you see, the gifts are so uniquely distributed, and he's getting ready to go there, but they all serve one goal. They're all trying to catch a fish. <laughs> They're all trying to grow the kingdom of God. Let's get into verse 8, and he starts to unpack the gifts a little bit. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. How many spirits? <laughs> one. Verse 10, uh, to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of those tongues. Verse 11, he says, all these... All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. Friends, your spiritual gift is not an accident. It's been determined by the Lord. It's not an accident. Uh, if you look through the New Testament, uh, you'll find four different places that contains lists of spiritual gifts. You'll find that here in our text in 1 Corinthians 12, and you'll find it in Romans 12. Uh, you'll find it in Ephesians 4 and also in 1 Peter 4. And in those places, there's uh, about 20 different gifts mentioned. We see gifts like we just read here. We see gifts like faith and discernment. Gifts of, of generosity and, and administration. Wisdom and healing. Gifts of encouragement and leadership, teaching and evangelism. All kinds, all varieties of spiritual gifts. I, I want to pause here because uh, in this study, I had to do this for me too. What is the difference in a spiritual gift and a natural talent? What's a spiritual gift or a natural talent? So a, a natural talent, natural ability, uh, those are, they're related to spiritual gifts, but they're different. You see, a, a natural ability or talent is going to be something that just comes naturally to us uh, through genetics or through practice and refinement. Uh, like, I have a natural ability to reach things on the top shelf at Walmart. <laughs> I didn't do anything to do that. It was just natural. And I know this because people that don't have that ability ask me to help them. You just learn these things. Uh, if you know Mr. Thomas Vargo up here, that guy can fix anything. I've never seen, seriously, we give each other a hard time a lot, but I've never seen anybody can fix something like that, like Thomas can. If you call him and say, I've got something broke, he'll have a manual, tools, and a plan before he ever gets to your house. It's incredible. And it doesn't matter whether it's a, a big excavator, a car, or an appliance. It's a natural gifting. You may uh, know athletes, uh, people that we would say, I use this phrase, they have a knack for it. You see, there's, there's things that we're naturally bent to, that we're naturally inclined to do, but within natural talents and abilities, they aren't focused on the kingdom necessarily. We can, and we should, but they don't have that zeroed-in focus, and that's getting into some of the nuance of spiritual gifts. 
Spiritual gifts, on the other hand, those are divinely given, graciously, supernaturally given to us by God the Father. If you have ever uh, received a card of encouragement from Miss Juanita Allen, it's a gift, a gift of encouragement that she is leveraging for the growth of the kingdom. If you follow Pastor Terry around for a minute and a half, you're going to see the gift of evangelism. Different gifts, same goal. Supernaturally given, focused on the growth and the glory of God and His kingdom. And so spiritual gifts are these passions, these things that that we might not be able to explain, these desires that we have that, that God has given us. And they are focused, not on our advancement, not on our promotion, but on the growth of the kingdom of God. Spiritual gifts. And remember what Paul says. If you are in Christ, you have a gift. You have been uniquely gifted and called to be a part of the kingdom of God. What will you do with it? What will you do with it? Let's continue in our teaching text at verse 12. So he's, he's shifting away a little bit from talking about the individual gifts, and he's talking about how they come together. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts. So just like our bodies, you know, head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, many parts. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given one Spirit to drink. So if you were to look around the room today, go ahead and do it. Look around the room today. We are, you are the body of Christ. You've been given and you are together in this. We are together. Some of you are getting a little concerned. It's okay. We're one body. We're not meant to be the same. I mean, is there anything any more different than our hand and our ear, right? But one body, we're together. We're together. He continues in this, unpacking this idea in verse 14. He says, even so the body is not made up of one, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? We're different for a reason. (laughs) You see, the church, like a body, is made up of many diverse parts. And that's on purpose. But you see all the differences, all the nuance, all the individual ways we've been created and gifted. We are to come together. We are together as the body of Christ. And and so we can't say that because I'm gifted one way, I have no part of the body. We can't excuse ourselves or exclude ourselves, and we can't exclude others. We are together as one body. One body in Christ. 
You know, I think it's, Paul is trying to really get this idea. And again, we don't know what's happening in Corinth, but it sure seems like they were giving extra emphasis or there was a tension about spiritual gifts, maybe an elevating of one over the other or a uh, demeaning of one over the other. But Paul has so carefully and so graciously canceled that out and said, we are one body. We can't take, cut members off. <laughs> we are together. And so there's this, this idea here, and it, it's interesting that he has moved beyond talking about the spiritual gifts without like deep dive into what they are. Did you notice that? He didn't stop there and start teasing out each gift. He is focused on where do they come from? What is their purpose? We're together. And so we see in this that, that spiritual gifts are not focused on ourselves. They're focused on others. That's one body. Look at what he, how he concludes his teaching in verse 18. He says, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. You're not here by accident. <laughs> God has gifted you and he has put you a part of the body by design. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. You see, God has arranged us together. He's arranged this body together and he has called us, he has equipped us to fulfill his purpose, the growth of his kingdom, serving others and magnifying the name of the Lord. One body, many gifts, one purpose. If you're in Christ today, hear me again, you have been given special gifts of grace. And you are a part of the body. What are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with what you've been given? You see, so, some of you this morning have, have the gift of helping. Some of you have gifts of leadership. Well, you, you can set your mind to doing something. You can call others together for the glory of God. That Those of us that, that don't have those details, we just marvel at that. Others have the, the gift of generosity. Generosity and giving just flows out of you all the time for the growth of the kingdom. Some of you have the gift of faith where it doesn't matter what comes your way. You, can, you have faith through anything and everything. And brothers and sisters around you just watch and marvel and are encouraged in their own faith. You have a gift this morning. We each have gifts. And friends, the Lord has brought us together as the body to fulfill his mission. What you do with what you've been given matters to the Lord. I would just invite the band to come forward as we transition into conclusion. So remember our question, right? This whole series is driven on this idea, what does God expect of me? Last week, we looked at time and how God gives us, in 24 hours, he gives us 1,440 minutes to invest, to invest in the growth of the kingdom. And today, we've unpacked and tried to see this idea of spiritual gifts. What does God expect? What does God expect? So as we look back across our teaching text, what, what does God expect of us in spiritual gifts? I, I think first we, we start and say, he expects that you have one because he gave it to you. 
And for some of us, that might be the hardest hill to climb this morning in this teaching text. It's to see ourselves as not only part of the church, as part of the body, but to see ourselves as gifted. You say, well, preacher, won't that make us proud? Can't we just stand in our identity in Christ and say, yes, Lord, I am a child of God gifted by you. Will you embrace that truth today? Will you embrace that truth? Your gift is unique. Your gift is not an accident. You didn't stumble into it. God gave it to you. So will you embrace that truth today? That you as a child of God have been given a gift. Supernaturally. And that there's a place for you in the body. You have a valuable role to play in the growth and the flourishing of God's kingdom here and beyond. That's who you are in Christ. Will you embrace that? Will you embrace that today? Maybe you're here and you're not sure about the gifts. Maybe you don't know where you fall. Like, there's 20. Okay, well, which one do I have? Would you commit to just taking a journey? Ask the Lord. He gave it to you. Lord, what's my spiritual gift? What do you have for me? How have you equipped me? Begin in prayer. Go online. Go to a spiritual gifts assessment. There's a hundred of them. Input that data. Answer those questions and see what it tells you. Then take that back to the Lord in prayer. Say, I see this. How does this look in my life? How can I invest this? Talk to people, your brothers and sisters in the church. What do, you, what do you see in me? What might my gift be? Friends, the invitation is to begin a journey to discern your gift. Claim the gift for your life in Christ. And finally, I think that God, once we begin to see that journey, we embrace that journey, then we have to say, well, God expects me to invest it. Not to bury this gift in the ground, but to use it the growth of his kingdom so friends if we were going to say that truth another way so we've seen that it, God has given us a gift and it's, he's expecting that we serve with it if we said that another way if you're not serving with your gift you're like the third servant in the parable and that grieves God if you're not serving if you're not embracing and utilizing your gift, that grieves God. So will you serve? <laughs> Take a step of faith today that says, I'm going to just start serving. Not for my glory, not for my accolades, but for the growth of the kingdom. Will you let that focus your journey today to guide that journey? Try something new. Take a step of faith. And say yes to serving. Friends, that, that step of faith, um, like that's, that's played is so much in my story. I, I remember I, back, in, Pastor Kerry Willis was our lead pastor at the Harrisonburg campus years ago. Uh, I was working in construction full time. I had to like ask permission from the boss to be able to drive the company van to the church after work. Uh, but Pastor Kerry, he had this thing that he called uh, Project Galilee Local. 
uh, and, and he articulated these gatherings as just people who were uh, sensing that maybe God was doing something, inviting people to come along and just flesh out their giftings, whether you knew what it was or not. Okay, you know, I can, I'll take that step. So we show up, and uh, I think we met monthly at that time, and we would dive into God's Word, and Pastor Kerry would teach, and there would be testimonies, and uh, there came this one turning point where you started assigning homework. I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, so he starts assigning homework, and one of those assignments, he said, uh, choose a Bible character and come back the next time ready to present what you learned. Ugh. I don't know. I'm not sure about all this. Well, I, okay, like, let's try it. So I studied Peter and took some notes and gathered some thoughts and went back the next time, and I am miles out of my comfort zone when Pastor Kerry said, all right, you're up. <gasps> you know, like, man, what am I doing here? So, and I don't even remember what all happened that night, but something even more frightening, because I, I, I did whatever happened that night, shared about Peter, then something really scary happened the next day because the preacher called. And I'm like, what did I say? But you know what, Pastor Kerry, he, he called me and he wanted to invite me out to Panera. That was kind of one of his spots. And, you know, we sat down and he starts to tell me about spiritual gifts and about how God has equipped each one of us for a plan and a purpose and that we got to step into that. And friends, that journey, that step into gifts, I had no idea what I was doing. But that journey changed my life. And friends, when you start to live into the giftings that God has given you, you're going to see your life come into alignment with His perfect plan for you because you are a part of the body designed and knitted together for the growth and the flourishing of His kingdom. Will you try something? Will you serve? Will you serve? Will you begin that journey today? Will you begin that journey? We're leaving today with a little bit of homework. You say, I don't know how I feel about that. It'll be okay. Read about the spiritual gifts. Spend some time in prayer. Listen to what the Lord is speaking into your heart. Listen to how He's gifted you. And find a way to serve for His glory. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you um, for your spirit, that it is one spirit, one Lord, and Lord, one body that you've called us to be a part of. So God, as we begin this journey of spiritual gifts and, and discerning, Lord, uh, you are the gift giver. And so Lord, we as your children, we're coming to you seeking help, Lord. Help us to identify this gift. Lord, not so we can take it to show and tell and go, look at me, but Lord, so that we can go, it's yours, Lord. So we can live into our purpose in your kingdom. Lord, help us to take that bold step of faith to just step in and serve. Try something new. Lord, we don't want to be guilty of burying our gifts in the ground. We want to be people who say yes to you with what we've been given. Lord, I thank you that you still have a plan for the local church. That you're not done with us yet. And Lord, part of your plan is your people utilizing their gifts.
we want to say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us today? Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.